What's up, you guys? This podcast is about toxic masculinity. It is a set of behaviors and beliefs that include suppressing emotions or masking your distress, maintaining an appearance of hardness, or violence as an indicator of power. I believe this is the cause of many problems in this world, and step one is to talk about it. We're going to talk about our feelings, our ups, our downs, our experiences, and our solutions for a better future. Thank you so much for listening. Let's begin. What's up, you guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boys Will Be Human. I am very honored to have this guest here today. Uh, it is my good friend, Aaron Sauerland. Hey, everybody. How's it going? What's up? How are Thanks you doing? For... I'm, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on here. You know, it feels... It, it's great. <laughs> it's nice to uh, expand upon our relationship. <laughs> Aaron and I have never met in person, but we've worked together a, a lot. What Aaron and I do, we are script supervisors. As a script supervisor, you are ensuring the smooth edit of a film (laughs) is the very general way to explain it. Yeah. The biggest term I think about it is like the continuity of everything. Exactly. Exactly. If you're ever watching a movie and your favorite character or whatever, any character on screen is like, has a mismatched prop or like the glass though like the water and the glasses the different levels yeah yeah it's like that type of stuff i was just gonna say or like the glass is like bouncing out of their hand onto the table and back in their hand and stuff like that like <laughs> oh yeah and like at the surface level it's that but then it's so much more exactly that. exactly because um, yeah. that continuity and stuff all leads into that smooth edit you know that's it yeah yeah it's multifaceted it's it's really insane <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's pretty insane i will say i will agree but uh it's very possible for two script supervisors not to meet just because on set there's only usually only one of you yeah it's it the nature sense. of the job yeah and everyone like a lot of people ask me like oh how many like how many people are how many people are in your team and i'm like oh it's just me like, it's <laughs> It's just one person. Like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that makes sense. It's just, yeah, it's a department of one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Aaron put out an ad on Facebook. It was like a cover for, it was like in December, so I don't think anybody was like on it or something. And then you reached out and was like, here's the stuff. And I went and then, and then you've covered for me and I've covered for you. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, yeah. I, I mean, that's how we all end up knowing each other you know all these script supervisors in general yeah which makes like the meetups the best because uh, like we said like i said earlier like two minutes ago um there's only one of us so we don't really we can't really work together on the same set at the same time all right well i wanted to start today by just asking how did you get started in script supervising uh i started i kind of fell into it it's kind of the story i tell everybody um I didn't set out to be a script supervisor. Uh, I was studying writing and directing in college at Columbia College Chicago. And uh, I needed to fill um, like a credit. And I saw a script supervision class and I was studying screenwriting. And so I was like, oh, yeah, script supervision. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like it has something to do with writing. (laughs) And uh, the first day, as soon as I walked in, the teacher was like, if you come here thinking that script supervising has anything to do with writing the script, you're in the wrong class. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, and uh, I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll just stick with it, I guess, because I already signed up. Might yeah. as well, like, learn a new tool. Um, 
And then, yeah, and then in that class, you know, we learned all forms of script supervising. Uh, it was all pen and paper, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at the end, you, like, uh, you do, you work on, like, a thesis film for, like, a higher-up classmate. And, uh, yeah, and then the, the, the teacher pulled me aside afterwards and was like, hey, you're really good at this. Uh, I think you could totally do a career in this if that's something you wanted to do. She then uh, offered me like a job to sub for her for a couple days. And so it kind of just, you know, avalanched from there. Nice. That's really cool that like they told you at school, like, Hey, you can do this as a living. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, uh, especially because I didn't even know the position existed beforehand. Like I literally did not even know that this role existed. So, um, to learn about that and to be encouraged like that, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Cause you like, for those of, for those of you listening who didn't go to film school, you're not really taught about a script supervisor, not for at length, at least. I know mm-hmm. I, w- I was for like a quarter of a lecture one day <laughs> in four years. Like it's not, it's like, oh yeah, there, and there's this. Anyways, moving on. And it's like, oh no, what, that, what is that when I first heard about it? But yeah, that's really cool that they had it. They actually, they had the option, like, you had the ability to do it and then figure out what it was. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it, in a way it really introduced you to, I guess, like set etiquette in a sense, but I don't mean that in like uh, what you, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. But I mean more so like the fact that most of the time when we walk on set, no one has a clue what we, what we do. (laughs) No one knows why we're there. (laughs) Oh yeah. Everyone's like looking over my, not everyone, but a lot of like, PAs over the years have been like looking over my shoulder and like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, this is like, these are my notes and this is what I do. This is what I say. And it's a very asked about, well, it may, it, if it is, it's, it can be asked about a lot on set. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Same thing with me. Uh, definitely with PAs and so on being like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you know, just this all encompassing job. Don't worry about it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really have time to talk right now because I'm doing a lot of other stuff, but I'll say it really quickly. I'm looking at this, and they're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. And I'm like, yeah, that's so cool, but I, I got to do this. I got to give a note. I got to, it's got to, like, I'll, whenever I'm on set and people ask me questions, I would love to answer them if I have the time. And if I have the time, I'm like, like, ask away. I'm here. Like, we have some downtime. Go for it. But a lot of the times have been, like, at the worst times. I'm just like, no, I don't want to sound like, a jerk but yeah i don't I, I can't answer you i can't pay attention to you right now because i'm paying tenant i'm paying attention to so many other things right now. <laughs> exactly yeah and yeah. i've got like producers that are like oh do you think you could uh teach the pa what you're doing so you know just in case in case you get sick you know they could cover for you oh jeez, i've never gotten that before <laughs> i've gotten that and it's just like no i cannot <laughs> Yeah. I can't. I can't, <laughs> I can't teach you this job that I've been learning for years in a day while I'm doing it. Yeah, it's there's so many facets to it. Like I've been. How long have you been doing it? Um, let me see. That class was in 2013, so it's been, you know, what is that? Seven years. Okay, but I really bring up the fact that we both do this job. Not just like that's what we have in common and that's how we met, but for those of you who don't know, this job is what would you say like what percentage female versus male? Like I would say like seventy thirty. Oh what man. I, I would even say maybe like 
80-20 maybe. Which makes sense. Even if someone said yeah. 90-10, I'd be like, yep, yep. that's good. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, the way that I always tell people is like, oh, well, it's a female-dominated position. 100%. For, for sure. Yeah, because uh-huh. it, it, it came from the term scripty girl or mm-hmm. script girl, and then more men started doing the job, I think, around the 50s, and then they made it scripts revisor, or they just cut off the word girl, so now it's kind of known as scripty, which is... That's a whole another podcast in itself. Like, I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. If if you catch me, if you catch me saying scripty, just know that like I know that some people take offense to that term, and I think that every script supervisor should, you know, you take it as you will. If you don't want to be called that, make it known and and do that. But um, yeah, like you said, that's a whole conversation for a different, a different. Yeah, term. I wanted to ask you about what it's like being like. How do you feel about being a male script supervisor in a female dominated role? To me, it, it's not, uh, I don't necessarily feel out of place or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying not to tie this into uh, into everything so much, but I guess that, um, like, I was not really brought up in a very masculine, quote unquote, uh, household. Uh, uh-huh. So, you know, my family was very much in, into the arts and so on. And mm-hmm. so, um as far as like literally comfort and, and like in this scenario and in this industry and in this position, it doesn't feel foreign to me at all. It feels very uh, welcoming, and I, I I think that the fact that I uh, that I am a man uh, in this female dominated position in the industry is uh, I, I don't feel ostracized because of that or anything. But it is definitely something that I am like aware of. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, you can't really not be. Uh, especially within our community, which is, you know, like we were saying, like 80, 20, 90, 10, whatever. Has anyone uh, made a comment about it before? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, every set I'm on is like, oh, my gosh, you're a, you know, you're only the second male scripty I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're uh, we're spotting the, the rainbow dinosaur out in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've gotten that. I've gotten the comment. Unfortunately, there's been too many comments like that where, like, I will cover for a friend who's a girl. And a lot of people obviously don't know that besides, like, the producers and the director maybe. I'll go on to say, and, like, the grips that were, like, hitting on her, they'll see me and they'll be like, oh, oh, where's, uh, where's, where's she? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm covering her for, for the day. And they'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And they walk away and I'm just like, what do you, like... Yeah, I don't. I don't feel good. One, because I don't feel welcome. Two, that doesn't make. I don't make. That doesn't make me feel comfortable on this set. And three, I feel horrible for my friend who's like being hit on while she's at work. Yep, exactly. I, I was gonna say I've definitely been on sets where, um, you know, uh, I'll I'll be like, yeah, guys, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be bouncing out for a couple days. I'm gonna have like a cover come on. This is it's Jessica or whatever. Yeah, and. Um, and they'll be like, "Oh, oh, is that the uh, is that the cute blonde one?" It's so uncomfortable, yeah, to know that that you know that this male gaze is occurring constantly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I'd say like, "Oh, is that the funny one or the smart one mm-hmm. or the hardworking one?" Yeah, most of the most of the conversations I've had in those type of situations with other guys have been yeah. more about appearance. Even I, as a as a man, I feel like, ugh, like I feel like cringy myself because I'm just like, how does that make me feel? Like just just in general, it's it's just I mean it, it's it's uh it's hard to 
kind of like grasp it because uh if you don't if you're not brought up that way or if you're not in that environment normally it's one of those things where it's just like wow like you really just said that <laughs> you yeah you really exist those type of people okay <laughs> you think like oh yeah of course they exist but i haven't seen them so I've exactly been, like lucky or maybe they don't exist in my circles or whatever and then you see them and it's like oh but like putting a face to it is is like yeah it's not the most disgusting part about it because it's just the fact that they are that way is the most disgusting part. But the fact that I can put a face to it, it's like, oh, I can, I, I can now have an image in my head rather than just like trying to put it away. Yeah, yeah, uh, it makes it more, uh, more real. I was gonna say you said you weren't brought up in a most masculine way. What did you, what did you mean by that? Um, just more so like, uh, you know, my family weren't, they weren't like sports people they weren't gym people like um gotcha (laughs) like you know i uh my my dad was a florist who (laughs) who was turned awesome yeah (laughs) that's awesome that's so cool yeah he was a florist and uh then he became a nuclear med tech among many other things and my mom was an art teacher and then ended up working for the school district and so just that whole masculine bravado you know bullshit it's part of my language but like it's it's it just was never a part of uh of like the values of my family or anything like that it was never this like concept of like manning up or anything like that just i wasn't brought up with that at all because of that uh you know i was kind of sheltered to this to this concept of of uh toxic masculinity in, in a sense I was raised by my mom and my sister and my parents got divorced when I was five. And so I would see my dad like every other weekend type of situation. I wasn't, it wasn't really like put in me as a child, like to act a certain way or the way I was acting was wrong. I mean, obviously if it was like chewing with my mouth open, yeah, like Mm. like, that was wrong, obviously. But like just the way that I walked this earth as a child, they weren't like, stop it. That's not, that's not cool. Uh, or like you got to be since you're the and I'm the only guy I'm the only boy I'm the youngest of two um, I have an older sister hmm. and so um, I never really felt that pressure from my parents to be the man of the house especially because it's just me my sister and my mom exactly it was very much like go out and, and just be you and, and own that and like you know and, and I'm lucky to uh, to be able to say that you know could you like spot any person or anything that kind of taught you about just masculinity in in general or maybe the toxic masculinity part aspect of of life it's hard to necessarily pinpoint uh specific moments or anything like that um per se but i think you kind of touched on it already where it's like you know a lot of uh my first encounters with that type of thing was it was in school you know um was in uh the education system yeah. with with like you know as i said like since i'm not i wasn't a sports person i wasn't like a gym rat or anything like that i was definitely more of like the fluid creative kid <laughs> and so uh that's cool yeah but easily targetable to be uh <laughs> you know to, because of that yeah. um you know I, I can't say i was specifically you know i i can't tell you exactly like specific moments where um you know, where I encountered these things. And most of it's just because, you know, it was, it's so long ago that I've, I've kind of moved on from it, you know, and I, uh, yeah. 
you learn to have a, a thick skin as you go, and especially in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of what I encountered at a young age has has washed away with you know the waters of time. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how it kind of if we can't figure if we can't pinpoint something, but it still gets to our head somehow that it's just like all around us possibly, or it's just by the way you live your life, like not the choices you make, but just like the places you go or the people you meet or the people you befriend, or especially in school. That's growing up. That's everything. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was actually running the other day and, um, I was like in a happy mood and I was feeling as good as I could with my mask on. And, yep. uh, <laughs> uh, because uh, right now we're obviously during COVID-19 and we have, uh, I wear a mask when I run, obviously. I go out of my way to make sure that there's room for people to pass by me mm-hmm. to like one, give them the room and also so that I can just not be near them. So like I'll go into the street just like along the cars and stuff. And I did that this one time and I was like so happy and, and smiling on the inside and like so proud of myself. And then I saw this bicyclist, bike towards me and i jumped out of the way with enough time for him to register what's going on and so it's, it wasn't like a swerving almost incident type of thing mm-hmm. and he looks at me and he waves his hand and he says hey thanks and my smile went to a brooding stare <laughs> and i just gave him the nod and i was like after he left or after he passed me and this was like two weeks ago. And <laughs> I'm 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 turning thirty this month. <laughs> so <laughs> it's scary how because like in that moment I didn't want him to think of me as like weak. Even though he's yeah. a, even though he's a stranger, he's just saying thanks. I could easily just say, Yeah, you're welcome and then keep walking. But even then when he showed like a welcoming presence of like, Hey, I appreciate you and what you're doing, my first thought was to, Oh, I have to turn it off. Interesting. It drove me insane for the rest of the run because I was like, why did I do that? Like, I'm super happy to do that. He was very nice. But I know if it was a woman who did that, I would have been like, hey, yeah, you're welcome. Like, let's do this. We got this. <laughs> like, so positive. That's interesting. So combative. Yeah. And he wasn't even like a menace. Like, he wasn't like the rock. Like, he wasn't like this huge guy that I felt like I had to, like, like prove myself to. Mm-hmm. He just looked like a normal guy. Like, a, like just, I don't know, like a normal build. And nothing intimidating to me, at least. And uh, even in that moment, I was still like, oh, no, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, <laughs> I was just like, I have to not show my cards for some reason. And I'm 29 going on 30, and it blew me away that it was like, oh, man, this is still, it's still in here. It's still in my, in there sometimes. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, like you said, I think it's so deeply uh, rooted within us. Um, which I think is how it becomes so vicious in a sense where it's like you're uh, you're not even aware how it's affecting you or you know moments you're yeah. pat- that you're encountering yeah like luckily you're you're self-aware enough to catch it but um, I'm sure that for a lot of people uh, like myself included I'm sure it's like you don't even realize that you're you're doing it but it, I think it stands to pose the question of uh, you know like what what causes that to be rooted in us for so long you know like you said like you're you were you're going on 30 and you're fucking just walking <laughs> you're going for a run and then uh, it's a simple thing and and you uh instantly flip like that you know and, and it's deep inside of you 
I talked about it with a, uh, another friend of mine. If we engage in a conversation or, or somehow come across like an alpha male, like a bro who's trying to make a point, mm-hmm. it's so easy to back off and be like, okay, well, if you're going to be like that, I'm not going to partake. So yeah. do whatever you got to do. Just don't bother me. But then the second it's someone at like my own quote unquote, my level where I feel like we're the same, I mm-hmm. feel like I have to like show up not to be better, but just to be just as good. My friends in high school, I was just, I didn't want to look, I didn't want to look dumb or look slow in PE or mm-hmm. unskilled. The quote unquote bullies in my school, I had no problem with because I was like, that's, I'm not going to play their game. Like, if they want to talk to me, cool. If they don't, but it was so much easier to be like, okay, I just, yeah, no, I would, I would just be like, yeah, keep it up. Like, what, what else you got to say? What else you got to like, <laughs> like owning, like owning my quote unquote mistakes that they were making fun of me for made it a lot easier. Yeah, I mean that's huge. That's huge growth and and development. You know what I mean? That's that's not an easy thing. I don't know. I just felt like it was. I guess maybe it was my upbringing or the 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 media that I watched made it a little bit easier or just trying to see like how everybody was and exactly yeah i i remember like being really young and uh often like challenging friends to things like you know like arm wrestling and stuff like that where it's like you know who is who's the strongest and i always thought of myself as that as like oh it's me it's definitely me uh (laughs) but uh but then like you know we we ended up going into high school and so on and it's like they they started doing like the like weightlifting and so on and um and i kind of just really distanced myself from that and i was like you know that's not that's not me (laughs) that's not even i can't i can't even compete because i just don't care i don't care enough about that stuff to to consume myself with it i do feel like the majority of this conversation has been like we're not affected by it, which is fantastic. So I guess for us that aren't affected by it, do you have any advice for younger boys? Or I guess, I mean, even I I could take the advice and I'm almost 30 with my uh, incident. Mm-hmm. But any way to combat toxic masculinity or like the thought process that has helped you? Or So much of it, I feel like, is just in loving and understanding and accepting yourself. Uh, for who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge part of it. I think that the, as I grew up, I think that I learned to separate myself from, from really caring <laughs> about, about society's gender norms and, and so on like that. And uh, in a way, I think that like, you know, I, we're, we're almost the same age. And so it's like, I think we kind of grew up in an, in an era that was also growing up with us. I think that there's much more inclusion and so on in our society today uh, than, you know, 1990 or so on, you know? Um, And so I think that like, like that helped the fact that society grew with us. And I I think that there's a much more focus nowadays on self-love and self-care. The more you can accept yourself the less that what other people say or, or, or judge you upon, you know, whether it's misogynistic viewpoints or so on or homophobic <laughs> viewpoints, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like, it, 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 it starts to not affect you anymore because at a certain point it's like, I'm, I'm me, you know? 
I'm, I'm not trying to be anything else and um, that's good enough for me. That's so good, man. That's so good. <laughs> Damn. Thank you. I don't, so I, don't, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> I just... Um, I'm going to write down what you just said, but we were growing up while our era was growing up. What? That was so good. <laughs> that was so good. Sorry. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I just feel like that's very true. Uh, yeah. Oh, of course. Which makes it even more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, and I hope that that doesn't, um, to anyone that's younger that is listening, you know, I hope that that doesn't make them feel less for being insecure or make them feel like, uh, like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to take away from like justifying their feelings or anything, you know, if you do feel insecure yeah. or so on in today's modern age, then like, you know, you're not alone. That's a normal thing. Yeah, I I just happen to have been brought up in a very supportive, encouraging environment, and and that goes, you know, I had a, I had a strong peer base and friend group, so mm-hmm. it's it's such a messy conglomeration of of your upbringing that really creates the person you are. Yeah, I think it's very helpful once you can own whatever you do. Like that's helped me with bullies, or I mean. I was never, I was never like, I I wasn't worried to go to school or I never got like a swirly ever yeah. or like a wedgie to an atomic wedgie where it goes like above your head. Like <laughs> I, never, I, never, I never had that. I never, I never had that. And nor I, I felt comfortable going to like high school cause I was in choir and I just hung out with my choir friends all day. And, um, but every time I owned something about myself that was made fun of, then they went away yeah a lot easier even if even if it was like a fake even if it was a front mm-hmm. and i was like yeah i did that even if it was like i have bigger ears and when people would say like 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 oh dumbo like that whole thing yep uh, the the times where it didn't get to me and i was like yeah i have big ears mm-hmm. they would just be like dumbfounded that i wasn't <laughs> being affected by it yeah and that i was kind of accepting it about myself and it was like I'm. I watched a lot of TV. I still watch a lot of TV, but I think growing up, I watched this one episode of Even Stevens where Lewis is gonna get like beat up by Larry Beale, who's like the bully, even though he's like the least imitating bully I've ever seen. Yes, <laughs> and uh, he's like, they're gonna throw me into a vat of, of chili. Oh my god, I know this episode. Yeah, yeah, and then he talks to like his older brother Donnie, who impersonates Mahatma Gandhi. That episode. <laughs> yes, he does, and. Uh, he says like he says something to the to the basis of like you don't have to be violent to fight back. Pretty much, don't be don't be violent. Don't go on their level. Mm-hmm. And so he gets into the vat and then he enjoys it. And he's like, "Wow, this this feels so good." And then like his friend Twitty comes in too, who wasn't gonna get it. And then you see Larry Beale say like, "This isn't as much fun. Like, he's enjoying this. Like, what is this?" <laughs> and even just seeing that just made us like, "Oh, if like if I own things like like uh." Like my first concert was In Sync, and I love In Sync, and I own that I, I I own it now that I love them and that I like, and I like ba- boy bands and and girls. Like I just didn't care that those two things weren't mutually exclusive, or whatever. A hundred percent, yeah. But the, every time I've said that to people, especially other guys, they're like, "You like that?" I'm like, "Yeah, I did. I like the music. I like to dance." And 
Yeah, exactly. And and they're just like, oh, really? Or like they just like they don't know what to do because they think it's going to be hurtful. Mm -hmm. Um, So either, yeah, either if I faked it in front of them and then like worried about it later or if I truly felt like that I'm like, yeah, this is this is me. This is Josh. I like this. I like this. And there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah. I think like when you own things, like you said, even like your own mistakes and so on, I think it helps take away like the power of your oppressor, you know, Um, like you're hitting the nail on the head, I think with all this, I think that like toxic masculinity and, and and this whole gender norm, so on, et cetera. Like, I think that that all tends to eat itself. And I think that, you know, by taking, by owning those things and so on and, not letting it affect you or, or not showing them that it's affecting you. You know, I think that that kind of, it, mm-hmm. it kills itself. It, it can't thrive uh, in any way, man. That's very true. I had a, I had a huge nose growing up, man. I got, uh-huh. I got stuff over that my whole life really? growing up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like what? Uh, if you don't, unless you don't want to talk. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, man, dude, I mean, just so much stuff. People like it, it just fed into my own insecurities about myself was like people would just constantly be like, oh, yeah, that's Aaron. That's that's the guy with the big nose or like that's the kid with the big oh. nose. And, <laughs> and so like, sorry, dude. yeah, no, I mean, it's it's fine. I, I appreciate it. Like, you know, I'm an adult now, so it's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like cool kids are fuck kids are ruthless <laughs> um they they can be yeah they can be they can be but uh you know eventually like here's the thing is the more that i owned who i was as a person the less that they started to tease me over that stuff like i i formed a band and i was in a band that played a ton of shows and stuff like that and and um like a rock band and uh we had our own group of fans and stuff like that. And as that kind of evolved, like there was less concern about the size of my nose or anything like that. That kind of really dissipated because, you know, I was thriving as, as myself. So the fact that I had a big nose meant nothing. (laughs) It's like saying like, you have brown eyes. Like, okay, (laughs) you got me there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was in middle school, I was I was pretty good with like algebra, and our, my teacher, who I love by the way, but she would do this thing where, like, the top three scores would get like a a special like prize or like a shout out, or something like that. Just the top three, even if it's like the fourth one still an A plus, it mm-hmm. just had to be like just whatever the top three. And this one time, I didn't get in the top three. Internally, I actually wasn't bummed. I mean, I was a little bummed because I, for the grade, but I wasn't like, I wasn't scared about what other people were going to say. Yeah. But this one guy who had always gotten like a B, which is still a good grade. Absolutely. He would, he found out or whatever. The class found out that I didn't get on the top three, obviously. But he found out what I got actually on the test. He found out I got a B plus and he was like, yeah, you got a B plus and I got an A. (laughs) And... And I was like, yeah, you did. Like, congratulations. Like, genuinely, not like, yeah, yeah like, whatever. You, <laughs> this one time is a, whatever. I was like, that's great. Like, this isn't, like, not everybody excels. Like, I was just, like, genuinely, like, congratulations. That's great. Yeah, I got to be plus. Yeah. Hopefully I do better next time. Like, yeah. I feel like I thought that. 
and he did the same thing like oh like he didn't know how to like process it a majority of the world's problems i don't know obviously this is this is a theory i have i think the majority of the world's problems comes from toxic masculinity yeah I really do. And yeah. it's only because majority of the people who are on top in every department of the world are men. And I think at some point it gets to you and it can come out in different ways, which is either like your upbringing or your 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 social Yeah. your social group or your job or your relationships. I guess I can only say is just to own it, own who you are, like you said. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, I think a lot of, uh, like you're saying, like it's just that the world is is so um, male-dominated when it comes to corporations and, and so on, just in, in general. Yeah. Um, Government. Governments, exactly. Uh, and I think that instills this idea of like, well, I know what's right, you know? I, I think that... Yeah it's like a false sense of 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 knowledge <laughs> it, it, it's um and, and it's it's this arrogance that i think that like a lot of a lot of men have um yeah and yeah and i think you're i think it stems from from this from it's it's from this societal you know systemic conceptualization where do we go from here like it's hopefully we can just learn from our mistakes and be willing to talk, which is why I wanted to start it, which is why I wanted to start this podcast. Cause I think the more times I see men talk burns in my brain. Mm. Like it just like, it's easy to remember that because you don't see that a lot. I saw the musical dear Evan Hansen. Oh yeah. And there's a part, um, how do I, I'm a big like anti spoiler person. So yep. I'm trying to figure out what to say. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> there's a, there's a part where the father figure character cries for the first time. And that was the time where I lost it mm. the most. And it was just like a three second thing on stage. And it wasn't like, a whole scene surrounded by it. It was like during a song and he like looks at a He looks at like a billboard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he just starts to cry. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I just started losing it. There had been plenty of girls, plenty of women crying uh, throughout uh, the main character, Evan crying, but you, you see who he is from the very first line. So it's not like surprising to see a boy like him cry. But when you see this kind of masculine father who likes to, like throw baseballs and Mm -hmm. he likes to you know he likes to work with his hands which aren't automatically bad things about a person it's just you don't think he's gonna cry because he doesn't show any emotion the whole the whole musical until this moment or like whenever jimmy kimmel cries i'm just like damn it (laughs) like i could watch like the i'm I'm a huge talk show fan so like i'll watch like the kelly clarkson show whenever she cries I, i feel for her but it doesn't affect me as much as when I see another man cry. Yeah. Does that make, is that, is that, do you think that's weird or like, I don't know. I'm here's the thing is like what, as you were talking about that, you instantly made me think of, of the first time I ever saw my own dad cry. And, um, you know, and I was thinking like, boy, that it shook me. Um, it's, it's, it's unsettling to, to watch, to, to because our, our society puts up all these things and these ideas of what it is to be a man and i think that that's ingrained in all of us way more than we ever could imagine 
and and I think that's why it's so shocking. And you know, like you said, I think like that's why it hits it hits so hard. Yeah. Um, you know, when you do see it, it because it's just you're told that like, you know, that doesn't happen. <laughs> essentially, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's you know, and that ties into what I was saying with like the era growing up with us. Like now, we're able to go see to go see shows where we can see stuff like that and, and, you know, and in this podcast like yours where we can discuss that, I think that's important and and crucial to society developing. I think the more visibility of every aspect of it, it's just hopefully it becomes a norm for, for boys to just like, I'm a very, I'm a pretty emotional person. Like I'm half Mexican and I'm also a cancer. So <laughs> it's, a, it's like a, I'm, I have a lot of emotions in me and not always positive and not always negative, but we're just, I get usually, I could kind of say Mexican men are very emotional. Um, and then my birthday is this month, so I'm a cancer. And so we're like, we can be like moody and like mm. sensitive and all that stuff. It's true. Like, it, <laughs> like yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it's not like a bad thing, and I and I don't want to I don't want it to be out there to think like, oh well, if you don't cry by the time you're this age, then you're like dead inside or like something's wrong <laughs> with you. It's not like that. It's just like it's just the idea of being open, like being feel like feeling that you're welcome to express those emotions if you would like, and if you don't, that's fine. But if yep. you do, we're here, and you can like go like no judge zone. Yeah. I feel like a lot of boys might feel just more comfortable just talking about it. It doesn't need to be in a public platform like this, no. more or less. It could just be like with your best friend, like and it hap- that's where the majority of those things happen. Mm. I wanted to ask the other my other friends who have done this, but I didn't get the chance. So I'm gonna ask you, do you tell your male friends I love you or I love you man? Or something else, maybe something else. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's definitely friends that I have that I uh, that I do say, like, you know, it's more of like, I love you, bro, or I love you, man, or whatever. Um, but I also do have, like, very, very close friends, friends that I've grown up with that I see as, like, my brother, and it's definitely much more genuine. It's like, and, and, I, and I do say that, you know, and I, and I do, I'll be like, I love you, you know, you're like my brother, that's yeah. it. It's it's easy for me to for me as a as a person to say that to my male friends who have been with me through through my own development. Um, yeah. uh, actually, it's so funny because I I just reached out to a good friend, um, maybe like a month ago, and we haven't talked in a long time. But uh, I was kind of like meditating on on how I've changed, and uh, he was such an integral part of that, and and. Uh, and uh, I kind of reached out to him just to let him know, like, hey, like, if it wasn't for you, I don't think I would be um, anywhere as aware, if you will, uh, as I am or, or or in control of, of who I am as a person. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, having people to talk about it, like you said, is, is a huge development and, and – or not development, but a huge benefit in – kind of watering down this this uh toxic masculinity i mean to, to yeah you know 100%. i i think that you know that ties into a much larger thing of of therapy and so on which is frowned upon so much which is such a silly 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 concept to frown yeah. upon 
therapy or, or psychologist or psychiatry in any way. Yeah. I used to be that guy. Interesting. I so used to be that guy. I'd be like, well, people that go to therapy, they need help. And I'm not going to therapy, so I don't need help. So I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and I then I went to therapy, and it was, like, the greatest. It, it, and it has been. I, I, I haven't gone a little bit because of COVID, but yeah, um, I started going about a year ago or about over a year ago. And I felt so bad. And it, I, I don't... I can't remember any specific mo- moments where someone said like, oh, I go to therapy and I didn't, I wasn't like, well, you're crazy. Like it wasn't like <laughs> that, but like internally I was just like, okay, they go to therapy. That's them. So I'm not doing that. So like I did the math, yeah. like the, uh, the approval math, but like, it's like the same, like if your car is broken, you go to the shop. If you don't feel good, you go to the doctor. Yep. And if you don't feel mentally all there, or mentally all right for a week, like why is that the thing that people strike down as like, oh, that's weak because you have to talk about your feelings. Yeah, yeah. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. And there's, and there's such a stigma of, of like, oh, well, if you're, if you're going to therapy or if you're seeking help like that, then, like, there must be something wrong. But it's like you can, yeah. you can go see a therapist and be right as rain. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like th- all therapy is there to do is, is to help you realize, you know, angles and, and, and elements of yourself um, and how you are reacting to your world and your life. And, and, you know, and hopefully by realizing those things, you can find better ways and more positive ways to approach them. You got some good ones today, Aaron. Oh, thank you, man. (laughs) Those are great. How, uh, how, um, how long have you been going to therapy? Um, I started when I moved out here. So that was 2015. 15 ish it it was like you know halfway through the year when i started going um which was because i started suffering from like horrendous general anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. um it was like you know i'd wake up and instantly would have knots in my stomach and i'd be like why i just woke up what i how can i be stressed about anything at all oh yeah um which also led me to like stray away from from uh seeking help in any way because i was like how could i how could this benefit me because i don't even feel like i have anything wrong yeah um but no i mean it was it it really helped uh going and and uh you know i i haven't gone in in a year which is a bad bad to say but also just got kind of consumed with my own with you know with work And, and you know how it is in this industry i mean when it rains it pours and yeah. so um, I found myself on a roll for quite a while. And also, you know, I just felt like I was in a really good headspace. And, and um, I definitely, <laughs> with what's going on in my life recently, I feel like I probably should should look back into it. And I probably will. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been going for, I, I was going for a few years. I found out I was going uh, to counseling when i was a child when my parents got divorced and i was like oh that was therapy (laughs) my mom was like yeah like we to me it was just like oh i'm gonna see my friend marge oh wow uh, my friend marge for like a five-year-old obviously i should have like seen it coming (laughs) (laughs) uh but like i would just like go to this room and she would i would do like puzzles or i'd play Mm -hmm. with dinosaurs and sand or something and um yeah play therapy yeah, and I was I I was like five or six, and so I there wasn't like 
like this level mature conversation was yeah, of course. not happening, obviously. Uh, I was learning about my colors or my numbers, so mm-hmm. I couldn't, like, obviously, no one's brain is that huge at five or six. Exactly. But when I learned that, I was like, oh, I've, heard, I've, I've been to therapy. And, like, okay. I don't know. I, for some reason, it wasn't the reason why I started going, but it did help me in the beginning of like, oh, I've already done this. Yeah. So, like, I did the, again, I did the approval math for myself. Like, oh, I've already done this, so, and I'm, I feel good, so, then it should be fine. And then these other things that I'm going to work on. That's often the hardest step, you know, is, is, is going to the first one. And, um, uh, I think people are afraid of it. I think people don't, you know, a lot of their, uh, accusations of, oh, well, it's not going to help me and stuff like that. I think that stems from just the fear of, of the process. Yeah. Um, but it's nothing to be afraid of. (laughs) It's, it's, it's very cathartic and, and therapeutic. Uh, and you, you don't even know it's happening most of the time. You know, a lot of times you're just going in, you're just chatting, you know, it's people have this idea that every, every session of therapy is like what you see on TV with like people like crying and breaking down and like, you know, we're going to, we're going to get at some serious stuff that happened to you. But like a lot of times it's not like that, you know, I mean, it can be if, if you're trying to target something, you know, Mm -hmm. but uh, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's just that you don't realize that you're lacking that, that support group and that, that social surrounding. Yeah. That's how it is for my therapist and I. It's a lot of like, so how you been? That's how every uh, yeah. every situation starts. It's never like, so we talked about this thing. I'm always in control of what we talk about, and which is like everything because it's like I don't want to. I'm in a like I'm one. I'm paying you. I'm paying you to <laughs> help me, so I'm not gonna like stop on one topic. But um. But yeah, it always starts as a conversation and then sometimes she chimes in about her life and then I'll ask her questions like, like, obviously I just said she, so she's a, she's a female and I'm a, and I'm a, and I'm a male. Mm-hmm. I'll ask her things about like, oh, does your husband do this? Or have you ever seen your husband do that? Or just try and get like a, have you seen males in your life per, act like this before? Just cause obviously she might not have the, she won't obviously, she doesn't have the genetic the same genetics as I yeah. do, so maybe the different thought process and the way we live our lives are different. Mm-hmm. But, and those are very those are very rare. She's very smart, and she definitely knows how to help out, no matter if I'm I was a man or a woman. But did you? I, it, sorry, it's go more on. about the it's more about the openness of like conversing with them rather than feeling like it's an interrogation. Exactly. Did you uh, did you seek out a uh, if you don't mind me asking, did you seek out a female therapist, or is it just kind of like how you like how you stumbled into it or i i didn't i i just i googled that what i've been going through a, a rough time in my life when i when i um started and uh i just googled like therapy in burbank because that's where i was living at the time mm-hmm. and this first place came up and i just applied and then they're like okay we're gonna set you with this woman and i was like great cool like i was just going and then it just worked out that she's awesome and that she's great not saying that the other ones in her clinic aren't but i just know that she is because i've worked with her um but i personally i've always felt more comfortable talking about my feelings with women Mm -hmm. um just as a in general 
but uh so it's it just like it's even easier yeah um, I, yeah i feel like that's that makes sense i mean you know like we're brought up with like this idea of of women being nor like nurturing roles in in life yeah um mm-hmm. so that makes sense yeah i just wasn't sure if like you know if so, if a part of you was like you know looking for a, um uh, a woman because you didn't feel like you'd be comfortable you know no i don't that's a very good question and i would ass- i could assume that too if i was someone else but i it, it i just happened to end up with her as a therapist and if they said oh here's michael or here's uh trevor and he will talk to you i'd be like okay cool great but it just happened that she is a a she so it just yeah like, okay yeah that makes sense yeah my, my therapist was a was a, a man and i was very was much that? very much found him the same way like went on google and was looking at reviews and so on and uh uh but yeah i mean it was great and it's very much like you said it's the same kind of a thing of like it's very much the same thing of it's just a conversation you know and and you are in control of, of what is how it goes down yeah whenever she asked me do you want to talk about this i'm i'm kind of shocked <laughs> that she's like i i'd be like of course i want to talk about this or like why is i would never think a therapist would say okay this is I never thought of a therapist as like pushing, but I never thought of a therapist as like I'll do whatever you want, like we'll mm-hmm. talk about whatever you want. I was just shocked that I was like, oh yeah, I do have the choice, and and she even said like if this doesn't work out between you and I, there's other therapists at this clinic. Yeah, and I was like, oh, like the fact that she gave me the choice made it even made me feel more secure with my choice already that she was secure about herself and her skill level and how she how and how welcoming she made me feel that i was like okay i feel safe i feel safer yeah yeah the biggest thing like that i took away from from my whole like all my sessions and everything was really just like you know your emotions and your feelings are are validated validated and like are warranted um yeah you know like there it's you should never feel ashamed of for feeling a certain way you know, like, for example, like with what happened um, with the biker, you know, like you got really angry at yourself and like, it's okay to, to, to be upset and, 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 you know, resent your response, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's nothing you should linger on or, or like, you shouldn't beat yourself up for, for feeling upset about that. You sh- it's, it's a great way to to pick something up and, and learn from it. And that's what it seems like you've been doing, like just by the fact that you've thought about it and, and started to analyze it. I definitely tried. Like right when it happened, I was, yeah, I was like what you just said, like, like darn it. It's like, why did I just, mm-hmm. like I've been working so hard and I want to, I want to be, I don't want to be this man. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's just an everyday thing. Like mm-hmm. even with, therapy or opening up to people or even owning certain aspects about myself that I like to like fight away bullies that that wasn't me since I was like 10 that's that was me sprinkled in around my life there's been other times since the math the the math bully whatever yeah where I've just like oh yeah you're right I I am less than internally but it just happened in that moment I was just like yeah like this is what I am and 
it's just a it's it's funny how it's a it's a process and people think like oh if i'm not quote-unquote fixed by one session oh yeah there's something wrong with me i mean you can do the same thing with like if you work out for 20 minutes every day you're going to be more in shape than going to the gym for like nine hours in one day yep and it's the same thing with your brain same thing with everything like a skill when people i feel bad for people when they land like if they're great at something the first time because mm-hmm. then their abilities like they just think they, they possibly could like orson wells <laughs> exactly they set a precedent know. for themselves yeah yeah um nor do i want people and myself included especially myself included to like i don't want people to like throw in the towel the first time just to be like well since i didn't start great then i can just go up you know like it's a it's a there's two sides to the coin but um i don't know where i was going with that but uh that's how i feel in this moment yeah <laughs> that's, that's what that's what i'm saying <laughs> so it's it's always it always for me it's always gone back to whenever i own things people either follow me or they or they don't and if they don't then i don't want them in my life anyways so exactly exactly you know? yeah that's important you know anyone anyone who <laughs> anyone who's attacking you for being you just cut that person out you know if you can and yeah. not everyone's um, able to that is very true that's very true so um before we go i just wanted to ask you aaron is there anywhere we can find you on like social media or anything like that anything to to check you out on yeah absolutely uh go ahead and you know give me a follow on instagram or twitter uh it's at aaron sourland it's uh just literally my name <laughs> um but yeah if you want some funny tweets or just want to get up inside my head for a little bit you know uh be i'd be very welcome to have you well awesome that sounds good everyone go check out aaron's social media uh thank you aaron for doing this i really appreciate it and hopefully one day we can actually meet in person (laughs) absolutely yeah thank you so much for having me man i look forward to the day (laughs) yeah no worries man okay uh i will talk to you i'll talk to you soon and um uh thank you very much for listening and i hope you guys have a good day hey guys this is josh um this is a little surprising but i have two corrections to make about this episode number one the whole episode has been about owning who you are and i oddly didn't do that during the recording of this episode i told you that i am a script supervisor when i stopped in late last year because i don't do it anymore and i didn't tell aaron that because i didn't want to disappoint him and so i wanted him to feel like we were a team and i just wanted him to go along with it um, I texted him after this episode, and he's like, oh, man, like, I didn't, obviously didn't know that, and so it's funny how even when you're talking about anti-toxic masculinity actions and thoughts, you can still go through with them, like myself, and also I double-checked my therapist's website, and I believe I could choose between a male and a female, and I definitely chose a female because I was too embarrassed to maybe want to try and talk it out with another man, so... Yeah, guys, I just wanted to correct these two things because even if you are practicing anti-toxic masculinity tactics, say that five times fast, it can still get you. It can still You can still be against this ideal of a lifestyle, but you can still, if it's ingrained in you, it can still come out in, in some aspects. I definitely, Aaron doesn't care about that stuff. He wasn't mad at me. Um, 
But if I would listen to our own advice, I would have been okay. But I just didn't because I was scared. But now I have to take that and I have to learn myself to be okay with saying things like that and being okay with new things in my life. So I just wanted to get those things off my chest before you end this episode. But thank you again for listening. And then um, please enjoy Autobahn Me, which is a song by Polaroid Bear at the end of every episode. Have a good day. Thanks again for listening. If you liked this episode, go ahead and share with someone who might benefit from hearing it. You can subscribe and get our new episodes every week. Tag us on Instagram at Boys Will Be Human, and you can join more conversations over at the Facebook Boys Will Be Human community page. And please leave a review. Reviews are crucial, especially for new podcasts like this one. The music is by Polaroid Bear. Check out his music at his website in the show notes. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.